how to decentralize, escape the matrix, take full financial control of your money and your life. Right now, we've got high levels of council culture, high levels of mainstream and social media shutting people down. Donald Trump, Andrew Tate, J.K. Rowling, Jeremy Clarkson, sometimes for just an inappropriate joke, sometimes for maybe they became too powerful for the mainstream. And so this is the perfect time to do this private Zoom masterclass on decentralizing yourself and your assets, escaping the money matrix, as I call it, and creating physical, digital, and financial freedom. I'm going to share with you the four main ways that you are controlled by governance. Then I'm going to share with you the four main ways you can create physical, digital, and financial freedom. I'm going to weave in any relevant questions and comments for those of you on the live. Hopefully those of you that get to get this recording it will be a seamless experience. That's why I'm talking slow, because normally I talk fast. The four ways that you're controlled by governance, and I call it governance, not government, because it might be the government, it might be the central banks, it might be whoever runs the New World Order, the Great Reset, Agenda 2030. It might be very powerful people in the World Economic Forum or the Rothschild family, or honestly, more likely, none of the above. It's more likely that the world is controlled by people you don't know and you will never know. And we all love to have a scapegoat even the more balanced and objective ones of you. If you got pissed off enough, you'd have a scapegoat. And you know what the, what the far right would call the woke left and what the woke left would call the extremists on the right. But here's something I need to tell you before I go into the four main ways that you're controlled by governance is that the problem we have, all of us, is how do we get to the core facts? Because you may perceive that the media you consume and the information you have is sound, factual. But how do you know that? Where are you getting your information from? Where are they getting their information from? What are their motives and what are your biases? And because of this, it's very difficult to stay balanced. And I do my best to stay balanced. So, for example, if you had a gun to my head and you said to me, Rob, are you more pro-government or anti-government? Pro-central banks or anti-central banks? Pro the system, anti the system? I'd probably say more, more anti than pro. But I'm not one of these conspiracy theorists 
or people who are extreme thinking that all central banks, all governments and all billionaires are nefarious dictators looking for totalitarian global control. I'm not that guy because I'm an entrepreneur and I need to stay positive, optimistic. I, I need to convert the information into income, the content into cash flow. I need to always believe that I can create useful and valuable products and services and sell them at a fair and growing profit that beats inflation. <laughs> and there's some left after taxation. So just being completely transparent with you up front, just so you know, and by the way, I don't say this stuff publicly. This is not a public masterclass. Do not share this if you're in Rob.team. Don't share your login with anyone. I don't want this content shared. I'd say I'm 70% anti-governance, control, government, central banks. I'm not 99% anti. And that might surprise you with some of my rants on social media. Why is that, you might ask? Because someone called me the doom monger of Europe. Number one is there are good things about government. And there are good things about central banks. And I'll try and share what they are. Number two is the legal system in the UK is pretty good. Security is pretty good. No one comes into my village and, you know, murders all my um, female friends and, you know, my children and takes over my village. And that doesn't happen. And so there are security and legal benefits to having governance and the system. Exactly, Vanessa, it's not the Wild West, but it is getting a bit more wild and it is going a bit more West. <laughs> so the four main ways I believe that you're controlled by governance, not government governance, though they, it could be both, is the central banking system, the taxation system, the legal and ownership rights system, and the media. Let me say that again. The central banking system, so the, the money system, the taxation system, which is the legalized theft of your money. The ownership rights system, you know, whether we're truly capitalist or um, totalitarian communist. And then media, which is essentially our source of information. So what I want to do is briefly explain these four main areas of governance and control in as balanced a way as I can and help you to be the least reliant that you can on them. Because I believe the more reliant you are on any single source or system or individual, the more risk you're at. If you've got one employer, you're at risk of being made redundant. If you've got one supplier, you're at risk that they take their business elsewhere and um, your business goes under. If there is one government or one major cartel that runs the central banking system, then they have all the power. When you rely on one individual or governance, they hold all the power. You know, people are saying in the comments that there's corruption. Um, yeah, when, the more power a person or a system has, the more corruption there tends to be. So when you're decentralized, you don't give anyone any power. Therefore, they can't be corrupt against you or they can is their corruption against you is minimalized or it's not always corruption. Sometimes it's just control. 
So in an ideal world, you'd create and print your own money. You'd grow your own food. You wouldn't pay any tax to anyone because you make your own money. You print your own money and you grow your own food. You'd own all your own assets that you gained fairly through fair exchange and trade and commerce, not through rape, pillage and murder. And your sources of information would be accurate, neutral and balanced. <laughs> this is not how the world works, unfortunately. How the world works is we have a central banking system, which if you, the Federal Reserve was set up in the early 1900s, what, 1912-ish, by a cartel, a group of very powerful um, bankers who owned about a quarter of all America's wealth. It was set up in secret under the guise of protecting the public interest, but with the goal of creating a monopoly, anti-competition, anti-fair competition monopoly to control money and maximize profit. And the fractional reserve banking system and the way money is created through debt essentially helps the Federal Reserve, a private entity, not a public service. People think that the banks, the government are a public service. They are not. At least you need to act like they're not. They will act like they are because that's media propaganda. But you need to act like they are not. Why? Because their interest is not you. Do you think the politicians' interest is you, the people, or careerism for their own motives and goals? Every day you read about a scandal in politics. So the central banking system, actually the Federal Reserve modelled the UK banking system, where they were able to create money out of nothing and lend it to you and make a profit. When you couldn't afford the loan, they could extend the loan and make more profit. And then when they went bust, they would get bailed out by the governments. And where did the money from the governments for the bailouts come from? Tax. And where does tax come from? You. Now, I actually think this is a genius business model. Being honest, right? Let's just be honest here. Would you like to be able to print your own money out of nothing? Just create debt and print it and lend it to people and make loads of money. Of course you bloody would. That's what, that's what you did when you played Monopoly as a kid. It's actually a genius freaking business model. And yes, the Bank of England do it. And yes, the Federal Reserve do it. That's the central banking system. Exactly, Anthony. It's like no money down in property. You would fucking do it. And I would do it. So I'm not, I've sort of transcended judgment on this. I tell you the thing, the thing that sort of pisses me off a bit, though, is the lack of transparency. Like if the banks were like, look, we do want to help you. We do want to look after your money. We do want to insure it. You know, we do want you to be able to access it. We do want to make payments convenient for you. And do, we do want to give you a good service. But you, we also want to make a lot of profit. We also want to re 
pass the risk on to you and not to us, or at least to insurance companies, but then really that's you. And we want to lend it out loads of times. And we want to get everyone in debt so that, you know, we can earn loads of money, at least if they were freaking honest. But of course, they're not going to be. And that's the bit in the middle, the media, the propaganda. So let me just summarize this really quickly, how the central banking system works. So um, money is created as debt, i.e. it's not real. It's nothing. It doesn't exist. It's not backed by gold. The gold standard that was removed in the early 1970s. So the banks don't have to have money, the central banks, not the, the small boutique banks. The central banks don't have to have money to create money. And then what they do is they lend it to you. So they have given you money that costs them nothing, but they're charging you for money that costs them nothing. Then what they'll do is they'll tell you that it's guaranteed and they'll tell you that it's insured. But it's not guaranteed and it's not insured because if a bank goes under, then either you lose your money or there's a bailout from the government. And that bailout is taxpayers' money. So when the banks go bust or they're, they trade insolvently, like properly, because they're all trading insolvently, governments are trading insolvently and banks are trading insolvently. The banks are allowed to lend out 90% of their deposits. If, if someone gave me a thousand pounds for a service and I immediately took 900 of it and loaned it out and made interest on it and only kept a hundred in the bank to deliver their thousand pound service, that would be called trading insolvently. That is illegal. I don't know if it's, in fact, it, it would be criminal. It could be criminal. It could be deemed as fraud. You could be struck off as a director. You could even, at worst, have a criminal record for doing that. You might never be able to, you might be struck off as a director and never be able to run a company again. It's called trading insolvently, i.e. I knowingly lend money or spend money that I've been given for a product or service, but I haven't delivered it yet. That's the fucking central banking system. That's the fractional reserve system. And they created this genius leverage tool and then somehow switched us into either not understanding it or thinking it benefited us. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. So we deposit, they tell us it's insured, it's not. They tell us it's guaranteed, it's not. We trust them when we shouldn't. They lend it out. They 
made it out of nothing in the first place. They make interest on something that is nothing. It's like me lending you air and making 5% a year or 10% a year on the air that I've loaned you to breathe. It's basically like that. And then um, I build up this insolvency trading, which I'm legally allowed to do because I created the rules because I'm the central bank. And then when it all goes to shit, which it always does every cycle, um, I get a bailout by the government because it's like um, the banks are, oh, well, this is going to look really bad and this is going to ruin the economy. And, oh, you know, people are going to lose their deposits and oh, even though they're supposed to be insured. Oh, it's really bad. So they get bailed out by the governments. But because <laughs> someone didn't know they were joking because they weren't. But someone once said, I, I can't remember where I heard this, um, but someone said, why don't the governments, instead of the taxpayers, pay for all of this? And they didn't get that all government money is taxpayer money. So the people don't even get it. So you could say that this is the greatest Ponzi scheme that's ever been invented. You could say this is the most genius tool for leverage that's ever been created. And I'm a bit on the fence because I actually think it's pretty genius that you can make your own money, lend it out. And the, per the person that you lend it to, if it goes wrong, will end up paying you to keep you in business. It's genius. And you need to know that. Oh, by the way, um, you know when money goes into the bank? So let's say you deposit some money into the bank. Is that an asset or a liability for the bank? What do you think? So I've got asset, asset, liability, asset, 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 liability, asset, asset, liability, liability due to inflation, asset, liability, 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 liability. Well, here's the really, really clever thing. It's either or both. And because it's either or both, they can use very creative accounting to legally trade insolvently. So an accountant would probably say it's an asset because cash is an asset. But actually, if the accountant thought about it, then they would say, no, wait a minute, it's not their cash. Therefore, it's a liability. Because even though cash can be an asset, because it's not their cash, it's a liability. So which is it? Is it a liability or is it an asset? But here's the thing. They take your cash. And as soon as they take your cash, it becomes your liability. It's a liability on their balance sheet because it's not their cash. But they turn it into an asset by lending it out. And they leverage it. £10 on the pound, $10 on the dollar. It's really clever. And then they put all the risk onto you. So the second way I believe that the that governance, the system controls you, is the taxation system. Now, if I was, I told you at the start that pro bank, pro-central banks, anti-central banks pro-current government, faux capitalism, really socialism in the UK, 
pro or anti. I said I was sort of 70% anti, not like rage against the machine, 100% anti. But when it comes to the taxation system, I'm about 98% anti. So tax, I believe, is legal theft. Originally, probably created against the will of the people to fund wars. Still a decent amount of it goes on war and defense. The governments are in trillions of debt. US 31 trillion about to hit their debt ceiling. UK 3.1 trillion, about a tenth of the size. So here's the thing. Not only is tax way too high and getting higher, unfairly high, it's probably intentionally complicated, the tax code. Apparently it's something like 12,000 pages, the tax code. Really complicated, really bloated. So if there was a flat 20% rate, 25% rate, flat whatever rate, to anyone, anywhere, anyhow, anytime, that would need a few pages <laughs> to explain a flat rate, capital and income. But then there'd be hundreds of civil servants and hundreds of people in government who would be out of a job. They'd have nothing to do. So the taxation system is really unfair because it's too high. It's not through choice. A load of the money is wasted because generally public sector are bad deployers of capital because they don't have the financial consequences themselves and they don't have the upside rewards themselves. So as entrepreneurs chasing upside reward of profit and avoiding downside loss of going bust are highly motivating. So if you get capital, you'll probably de deploy it relatively wisely, especially if you fucking earned it. But the politicians haven't earned it. They've got no downside if they lose it, no upside if they get a good return on it. So the public sector generally, therefore, deploy capital really badly. So tax is too much, it's taken at source, it's probably theft, it's probably not invested very well. The tax code is ridiculously complicated and takes hundreds or thousands of people to run it. So before your tax even goes in the hospitals and on the roads and in our military defence, you're paying off the hundreds of billions in loans in debt and you're paying probably equal amount just to keep the freaking government paid. So Corey has just said it's all a scam. Well, it's all very fucking clever. If you're them. Okay. Um, the other thing that I think linked to tax that um, we're really controlled and governed by is the insurance system. So to me, the insurance system is really unfair because you're forced to insure a lot of things that you probably won't be able to claim when you claim. I remember I once um, read a watch insurance document. So I have some um, expensive watches and they can be tens of thousands or even 100,000 plus. And I read the insurance document, bearing in mind I was paying a big premium for this, and I was only insured if the watch was stolen out of a safe. That's the only place it's not going to get stolen. <laughs> it's fucking, I thought, what a crock of absolute shit. 
my watch is only insured by an insurance company that's supposed to protect me in the only place it can't fucking get nicked. I mean, talk about clever. <laughs> yeah, and you can't tell that. So it's not insured if it's on your wrist. It's not insured off your wrist. It's not insured in the house. And it's not insured out of the house. So that they owe oh, insurance is there to protect you. Get your pet insurance. No, it's a, it's a profit-making entity. The central banking system is a profit-making entity. The banking system is a profit-making entity. The insurance system is a profit-making entity. And that's okay. Just don't bullshit me, con me, scam me, hoodwink me, drown me in fucking paperwork and small print me. Just fucking be open about it and none of them are. All right. The next way that you're governed and controlled is the legal system and the ownership rights system. So Andrew Tate at the moment is being detained in Roman Romania. Uh, 30 days extended to 30, 6 million's worth of cars seized. Some people I've spoken to said, well, yeah, that's normal. I don't think it's normal that someone where apparently there's no evidence against him, only witness statements, is detained for 60 days in basically a prison and 6 million of his cars are seized to fund the investigation. Uh, personally, that to me doesn't sound like a fair legal system. I don't know if Andrew Tate is innocent or guilty. To me, he deserves a fair trial. It, by a good, fair, balanced legal system. And um, that doesn't seem to be happening. So that's actually one of the things I quite like about the UK. The UK, I think, is a better... It's, I mean, you want to buy a property in, in, in England, you're really protected. Try and, go and, try and buy a property in Bulgaria, it's like the bloody Wild West. So the legal systems are ways that we're governed because obviously um, you can't park there, have a parking fine. You can't say that you'll be, um, you know, detained for that. Oh, uh, you went two miles over the limit. We'll fine you for that. Or we'll give you a toll for that. We'll give you a surcharge for that. We'll give you a tax for that. Oh, actually, you won't be able to have a car in 10 years. No one will have a car. You'll own nothing and be happy. Sabrina has said the UK's legal system is corrupt as hell. Maybe it is, Sabrina. I don't know. Because, again, remember, you've got to go back to what's the source of your information. I can imagine there's corruption that goes on, and I can imagine there's fair trials as well. But I certainly think it's a lot better in the UK than it is in many other places. But I'm quite grateful for a legal system. I think there needs to be a legal system. So, you know, again, like I said, I'm not 100% anti-system. Also, with the UK... See, see, the problem is when you're 100% anti-system, you do become a conspiracy theorist because you think they're out to get you with everything and they're not necessarily. So, for example, something that people say to me who are quite extreme in anti-governance is, oh, you'll own nothing and be happy. And they're just, you know, you don't really own your own property or land. You know, the royal family own all the land. You don't own any of it. And not, your assets aren't yours. Well... I think you're all right in the UK. I think you're right, all right in many Western or developed societies. I own my own property. Well, I own 360 properties. And I think um, if governments started taking properties off you in um, supposedly capital Western society, I think that there would be more than anarchy, more than a revolution. And I think it'd be the end of the world as we know it. 
Now, obviously, in really communist states, you don't really own anything and they do just take it off you. But that is another way that we're controlled. And, you know, in an ideal world, you want to own your own land, own your own property and own your own assets. And I'm going to talk about that a bit later, because I think that there's certain assets that really the government more own than you. And then there are certain assets that you virtually fully own yourself. Okay, and then the final, number four, uh, Vanessa said here, control is creeping in, though. Um, this is the thing. I, honestly, and again, I have to be neutral and balanced where possible. I mean, I've got my biases, of course. I'm an entrepreneur. I help entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, I obviously want to pay minimum tax. I want to grab business as much as possible. I want to make a profit, as much of a profit as possible. But, you know, I'm an entrepreneur who has a business, but I also help other people be entrepreneurs. So um, if I was too greedy and corrupt, I wouldn't have any clients. I wouldn't have nearly 10,000 Rob.team members, for example. So I do think I'm relatively balanced compared to a lot of people. Not, it's, it's difficult because you read media and it triggers your emotions and you believe it and it makes you feel something. You agree with it, you disagree with it. It's right, it's wrong, it's good, it's bad. And I often try to challenge myself with, okay, what's the source of this media? And what's the agenda on this media? And what's the bias on this media? And as long as you know that, then you can stay relatively balanced. But I don't think that the UK government are going to seize property off you at any time soon. I don't think they're going to seize land off you at any time soon. And I think certainly in, in our lifetime, I would have thought you'll be all right. However, the last three years, my faith and trust and belief in the central banking system, the taxation system, the legal and ownership rights system, the government, the media, it's really gone downhill. And I, th I do agree it's got a lot worse. A lot of people here have said it's got a lot worse, and I agree with that. And how, how much worse does it have to get before it is a completely globalist, totalitarian regime of own nothing and be happy? Like the Matrix, where, you know, the machines used the humans as a source of energy and gave them a dream alternate matrix reality to distract them from consuming energy from them. Now, again, I'm not that far into the fuck the system, anti the system, but it's getting worse. Okay, right. Now, shall we talk about solutions? Give me a yes in the comments if you want to talk about solutions. Um, Give me a yes in the comments if you are, are up for being financially free, digitally free, physically free. Now, what I'm not going to talk about here is growing your own food and creating your own energy sources. That's, that's out of my realms of A, expertise, and B, um, I don't think it's that bad yet. Um, okay. So, yeah, I'm not going off. I'm not ready to go off grid, Jacob. I like petrol cars too much. I like going to nice restaurants too much. <laughs> um, I don't want to kill the cow when I eat the steak. Right. So. Decentralizing your money is number one way to push back against governance and control. And what I like to do is look at the central banking system, the taxation system, the legal and ownership rights system and the media and think, okay, what do I not like about it? All right, but 
Does it work for them? Have they got power and control? Is it smart what they're doing, even though it's, I don't like it? And what can I learn from it? So as an entrepreneur, I'm always trying to learn from what I like and what I don't like. So I don't like that the banks can take my money and give me virtually nothing and lend it out and make a load of money on it. I don't like that. But if the shoe were on the other foot, would the bank of Rob want to do that? Well, yeah, I'd love free money. I'd love free money that you give me and then I go and lend it out to someone else. I'd love that. Why not? <laughs> so would you. So there are ways to learn from this. So step one is to decentralize your money. And what I mean by this, others may mean other things, is um, have as little of your money in one single source or platform or institution or asset or currency. So it means if you've got to have money in a bank, you've got it spread across five banks. It means if you've got more money than just your monthly overhead, then you don't want it all in the bank. You want it in gold, physical assets, Bitcoin or Ethereum. Oh, as we get into the more specific elements of this masterclass, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't like doing disclaimers because you guys aren't stupid. You're smart. But um, I'm not a financial advisor and this isn't financial advice. Do your own due diligence and research. In fact, I'm going to go further than a disclaimer. I'm going to say that um, what I'm about to tell you is probably the opposite of what a financial advisor would tell you. So there you go. You've been told. <laughs> so um, let's say I had 100 grand cash. You know, as in in the bank, instead of having a hundred grand in the bank, let's say my living expenses were three grand a month. I'll have 10 grand in the bank and that's it. I'll have, you know, four or five grand in a current account. I'll have five or six grand in the highest savings account I can get, which is virtually nothing, but that's what I'll do. Then I'll have money in the stock market, money in gold, money in watches, money in other assets, money in real estate. So basically, some of you could say, well, yeah, Rob, isn't that just diversification? It's both. It's diversification and decentralization. Now, you diversify money to essentially hedge and insure against loss and to reduce the downside risk. But when you diversify money, the assumption isn't that the loss will be governments and central banks. So we can talk a bit later on, once I've covered these four points, specifics on where and how to decentralize your money. I've already given you some examples. Okay, the next thing then is to own your own assets. Now, I think in the UK, if you've got a title deed, you own that property. Now, if you were in Russia, that title deed might not be as strong, but it's pretty strong in the UK. So I like 
real estate and property because I think the ownership in the UK, not in all countries in the UK, is solid. I love gold. I love watches. And I love anything physical, especially if it doesn't have capital gains tax. So I just bought a 1989 930 turbo. I showed you a picture earlier. And there is no capital gains tax on that when I keep that and that makes money. So that's good. There is no capital gains on watches. I don't know about wine and whiskey. Um, but if something is not deemed as an asset class, but you can make it perform like an asset class, you don't have capital gains tax. Now, there's no income tax because these assets don't produce income. So the only way they would make money is through a capital gain. But the last thing you want is be, to be paying 25% of that or 40% of that away to the government in the unfair tax system. So, you know, someone's put here diamonds, art, silver, gold, NFTs, whiskey, wine, watches, etc. Now, look, we have to raise one point here, and this is important. And that is just because someone's made money out of an asset like whiskey or wine or watches doesn't mean you will. And it's not a given. So the best way to make money out of an asset is to know that asset really well and have a genuine interest in that asset. So if you love cars or you love watches or you love wine or you love NFTs or you love cryptos, then you're much more likely, much more likely to make money out of it and invest in it well. Now, actually, I've made really good money on Lego. I know people make money on baseball cards and Pokemon cards and guitars and all sorts. So nearly every asset class can be an asset class when you know it, know it better than anyone else. And it'll be a liability when you're a mug punter. So do you know you buy really rare books and make money out of books? So decentralizing your money and investing in your own assets can actually be the same thing. So if I took the money that was normally going to be in the bank and I put it in watches and I make money in watches, I'm decentralizing money away from the banks, but I'm also owning my own assets. Now, with anything that you buy, watches, wine, whiskey, classic cars, art, blah, blah, blah. You could get a reputable dealer or a, a con artist. You could overbuy, underbuy. You could buy the, the best type, the, the worst type. So you've got to really know and have a passion for that asset. Now, A lot of people say to me things like, oh, yeah, but prices are too high or, oh, yeah, but the watch market is going down or, oh, yeah, but I'm not going to buy property yet because I'm going to wait because the market's going to come down. I don't regard any of those statements as in any way relevant unless you are a trader. So I interviewed Carl Hartley, 
of Tom Hartley cars. He's a trader. He buys and sells cars. So the currency fluctuations, if he's buying abroad, very relevant to him. Whether prices are going up or down, very relevant to him. If he's buying and selling cars on a daily basis. Whereas if you are buy, hold, die, which is me, I buy, hold, die. I have sold stuff in the past and regretted it. I don't sell stuff. I've just developed 142 units in two big properties, nearly 300 tenants. I'll hold on to those deals forever. 20 million to 40 million to 80 million to 160 million before I'm dead. So find an asset class or two or three that you're passionate about. Learn it better than anyone else. Buy it for the long term and you'll be fine. But you own your own watches, you own your own gold, you own your own cars. You own it all. You own your own wine, you own your own art. You, you own, did I say gold? You own your own gold. You own your own diamonds. If there's a run on the banks and there's 100 grand in the bank and that bank goes bust and they're not bailed out by the government, that, you do not own that 100 grand. The bank owns that 100 grand and that 100 grand is gone to them. It's gone. Now, yeah, just gone. Or at least there's a risk of it. Now, how often are there bank runs? Not that often, but too often. Yeah, people always say to me, yeah, what about the 85 grand? Honestly, do you, do you really think, just be honest, right? Just use your common sense. Do you really think that that 85 grand is fully insured? Just like my watch was only insured in the small print if it was stolen or lost from the safe. Badgerly, how could you prove it was lost from the safe? You probably couldn't. So therefore, probably had to be stolen from the safe. So I don't, I mean, if you don't trust governments, don't trust the insurance policies behind the governments. If you don't trust the central banks, don't trust the insurance policies behind the central banks. Now, some of you can say, yeah, well, Andrew Tate had a load of cars and they got seized. That's because he stuck them all over social media and everyone knew where they were. But you could easily have watches and gold and diamonds and art and cryptos and even some cars and other asset classes and silver. And no one knows where it is. No one knows where it is. If you don't tell anyone where it is, no one knows where it is. That's all I'm going to say. All I'm going to say is any physical asset that you own where there's no digital money trail or it's in something physical that you could have sold no one knows where it is. Whereas if there's money in the banks, a central digital currency, or a government bond, then, yeah, I've got a twitch. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Okay. The third way that you can create physical, digital, and financial freedom so by the way, I've realized as I talk this through, there's multiple elements to this. There's the physical freedom, i.e. I can go where I want, when I want, with who I want. There's the digital freedom, i.e. not being controlled by central banks and central digital currencies. And, you know, those, if you do put money in bonds and your own media, which we'll talk about in a minute, 
But then there's the actual owning your own money and earning on your own money. Now, by the way, someone said to me earlier, what about liquidity? This is a good point. If you have a shit load of gold in a vault and you're really comfortable, there's no hunger to go and earn more money. If you have no money and no savings, then that is scary and worrying. But you are lean and hungry to go and make more money. So basically, you're liquid in scenario one and illiquid in scenario two. Now, I like a bit of both. So I like a good amount of money in the stock market and in other liquid assets. But I like to trick myself into thinking that I'm not liquid so that I'll go and earn more money. The lean mindset. So for example, I just bought, I paid 120 grand for this 911 turbo. Let me show you in case you weren't here earlier. So I just bought that. So that's, that was, I paid 120 grand for that. Is that liquid? What do you think? Is it liquid? Is a classic car liquid? Yeah. So some of you have said no. Some of you have said can be. Most of you have said no. Um, is it? No, it's solid. <laughs> that joke of the day goes to David Clark. Well, it is and it isn't. Like, it's not as liquid as cash. It's not as liquid as gold. But it's more liquid than a property. And I said to Carl when I bought it, I said, look, you know, if I want to trade it or get rid of it, can I give it back to you? And you'll buy it off me. And he went, yeah. So actually, I've, I've made it liquid. It's not really liquid. A car could take a week to sell. It could take a month to sell. It'll take three days to sell if you sell it cheap. So it's liquid, but you've lost some of the capital on it. But there's ways to make things that aren't that liquid, liquid. Well, Dominica said, yeah, but not 120 grand. Exactly. So, you know, at 100 grand or 90 grand or 110 or whatever, it's going to be gone in a week. Uh, full money, it's going to take a lot longer. So, yeah, that, that the price you're willing to take has a bearing on the liquidity. But also your dealers and your contacts. So, for example, I've got some watches which are really liquid. I've got some watches which are very illiquid. I've got some APs and... Weird and wonderful watches, big watches, not very well-known brands like Urwerk, which could take me two months to sell. I've got 48 mil Arnold All-Stars and T3. Could take me two to three months to sell those. Rolex Daytona's bang, right money, gone in a couple of days. So actually, you can have assets that are physical, that you own, and that are relatively decentralized, and you can have liquidity too, or you can trick yourself into thinking you don't have liquidity, so you can go and earn more money. So I have a Ferrari Testarossa, bought cash. I bought that, um, I could have financed that, but I bought that 911 cash. Why? 
because I've got money stored in assets, but I've tricked myself into thinking that I haven't got that money and that it's not liquid, even though it is if I really freaking need it. So you, you win both ways. Okay, cool. Right. Um, I'll do questions at the end because I can see some specific questions coming in. I'll happily answer them. Things like finding dealers. Where do you buy and sell this stuff? Etc. Assets you want to talk about. Okay, next then. This is really important, this one. Do you know there is only one way to get your tax bill down? Someone put it in the comments if you know the one way, the one way to get your tax bill down. There's only one way. There's one way. Someone said, earn less. <laughs> is that David again? Dad joke, David, earn less. There's only one way. It's not offshore. It's not debt. It's actually, it can be both of those, but it's not the main way. The simple main way, you have to own a company. You can't be employed. If you're employed, they, they take tax at source. Tax first, your money later. Whereas when you're employed and you're an entrepreneur, you even keep the VAT, you keep the corp tax, you keep the income tax, you offset and write off as much as you can, as much as you can, that's legal. And then what's left, you pay to the government. Now, of course, you've got to pay VAT. There's no way around that. Although some things you buy, you can claim the VAT back. But corp tax, you can get down if you have more things you can run as an expense through the company. Income tax, you can get down if you're able to draw less income. And that some big company owners do debt and share issues and things to do that. So it could be a sole trader, could be a limited company, could be an LLP or an LLC. So do you have a company? Have you started your side hustle? Do you own a business? Are you offsetting all of these costs? So business expense, business expense, business expense, business expense, business expense. Brad Sugar said everything is a business expense. Everything isn't a business expense, but more things than you're currently running are a business expense. Now, the more you learn, the more you earn. So as long as you are learning about what you can offset, learning about what you can write off, learning about what you can own and use in a company that otherwise you might buy, so I've got a Lamborghini Aventador in an LLP. I've got a Porsche 911 in an LLP. I've got a Porsche Panamera Turbo S in an LLP. I've got a Range Rover Sport in an LLP. I've got a Range Rover Vogue in an LLP. About to get a 911 Turbo S in an LLP. They would cost me twice as much if I bought them personally. Why? Why would those cars, in fact, those cars would probably cost me two and a half times more if I own them personally, why? Because when you buy them yourself, you pay your tax and you get what's left and you buy the car with what's left. And I'm taxed 52 and a half percent. So with what I earn, corp tax, 
income tax, I am charged about 52.5%. I mean, that's fucking outrageous. It's wrong. It's a scam. It's theft. It's disgusting. But by the way, when you add what I buy, I am charged between 65 and 70% tax. So if I want to, I've got a 200 and I think I've, actually, I think my Lamborghini was just over 300 grand. I think I paid 255 for it because I got it um, not quite new. Let's make it easy. Let's call it 300 for numbers. So 300 grand Lambo, I'd have had to earn 650 grand to be able to buy the 300 grand Lambo. I buy the 300 grand Lambo in a company and I don't have to earn 625. But then I can run the, the maintenance and the ongoing costs and the fuel through the LLP. And by the way, when you have a Lamborghini Aventador in a service, that's a lot of money. So I might be saving eight to 10 grand a year in running expenses, even though I only do a few hundred miles a year. And I'm writing off the depreciation because it's an asset on the balance sheet. There's shit loads you can do to get your tax bill down. There used to be more. There should be more. But it comes in peaks and troughs. I.e., there's times in the cycle where there's more tax breaks and there's times when there's less. Booms and busts and just how much governments need entrepreneurs. Thank you for tuning in. And I will see you on the next Zoom Masterclass. Bye. <laughs>